The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, Internet. Riddle World's Josh Norris here with the Riddle World Football Podcast, the second one of this week. I've got to say, the last two podcast episodes have been fantastic. Um, check them out. Matt Harmon on 11 wide receivers. That took 40 minutes. And then just a few days ago, Graham Barfield on seven running backs. That also was a 40-minute podcast. I mean, these are going to hold up throughout the entire draft process, but the sooner you listen to them, the better. Um, I really can't say how, how great they were. I mean, obviously, we all you know watch these prospects. We talk about them. But these guys go a bit more in-depth um, in terms of creating and formulating some results that go below the surface. And it's really, really good stuff. Um, and also, I mentioned it on that podcast, but our reviews have kind of, you know, gone a bit dry. I, I appreciate all of you sticking with this subscription. I mean, I know it doesn't cost you anything, but... Um, obviously, we weren't doing fancy stuff during the offseason. It's all draft-related, and we're going to keep doing it at least once a week, maybe multiple times a week. Um, but, you know, a little nice review would help us reach a new audience and, and just share it with some friends, maybe. Anyways, because of those two podcasts over the last two weeks, or I guess over the last week, um, I have pushed off talking with Evan Silva. Um, Evan is back on the line now, and today is a position that might be arguably the best in this class. And the crux of the conversation is going to be the tight end spot. Um, Evan, let's just start with this. How you doing, buddy? Long time no chat. I'm doing really well. Um, you know, some sometimes guys will get hyped up and then you watch them play and you're a little bit let down. Mm-hmm. And that was not the case with O.J. Howard and David Njoku. These guys... You know, like when you go to watch a movie and you have been told by you know, one or two people that like it's an awesome movie and right. then you go and watch and, you know, it, it, a lot of it comes down to expectations and do they fly above your expectations? Do they come in line with your expectations? Usually when you have high expectations, it's hard for, uh, you know, what you are about to experience to live up to that. But to with these guys, I would say that these these guys both satisfied and maybe even exceeded expectations well and let's start with kind of this broader question um it seems like tight end is the position that the development and the impact is the slowest of any in the nfl um i mean it's tough to write off first or second round or whatever tight ends earlier on their career 
because we know that for many, they don't hit their stride until even their second contracts, right? Um, I haven't figured that out or why that is, but could that be tough for a team to keep that in mind when selecting some of these prospects in the first round and in the second round? Yes, but I think that a big reason for that is blocking mm-hmm. ability, and both these guys can do it. Um, and I, I believe you tweeted, I don't want to you know, just regurgitate your tweet on, on here, but you mentioned something to the effect of that it's slow for Titans to be productive and, and really be impact players, but you think both Howard and Njoku can be plug-and-play starters immediately. I would lean in that direction. I mean, I think that another reason that it's difficult for tight ends to make immediate impacts. I mean, Hunter Henry last year. Awesome rookie year. Yeah, an incredible rookie year. But, I mean, he wasn't wasn't even nearly a full-time player. Right. And, uh, you know, that. He was a role player. Tight ends are asked to do a lot, man. They have to line up in a lot of different areas of the field. They have to know how to block and catch. They have to know to know how to pass protect they have to know how to run block i mean it's just a lot of assignments for a very young player and i think that when you just kind of get a grasp of all the different duties that they are asked and they have to be extremely physical against players that are you know that are significantly bigger stronger faster than those that they dealt with in college. So, um, yeah, it, it is a slow starting position. Probably, yeah, you're right, probably the slowest starting position of any position uh, for, for players making the college to pro transition. So let's dive into this class then, and we should start with O.J. Howard. Um, at the Senior Bowl, he measured in at 6.05, well, six foot five and a half, 249 pounds, arm length of almost 34 inches, 10-inch hands, wingspan of 80 and a half. Um, I mean, OJ Howard, look, the production is low. The usage is low in a lot of situations, but then we all know that in the biggest games against Clemson, um, he was featured player and you can absolutely see his skills. Um, Evan, to me, what I believe the NFL is going to love about him is that a projection is not necessary, that the NFL loves um, what they, they, they love to see how they're going to use a player from college to the NFL, right? In that, for many of these tight ends, they'll play in space, they won't play in line, the blocking is projection, so on and so forth. Even if the production is low, they know what they're going to get, and the exposures are already there, the receipts are already there for O.J. Howard on his tape. Yeah, he played in line a ton. I mean, he's the best college blocking tight end I've ever seen. Um, I, I was trying to think back to tight ends that I've watched like over the past half decade. Travis Kelsey w- was a really good blocker in college. I think O.J. Howard's better. Uh, high, high intensity, extremely aggressive, physical, blocked to the whistle. Um, clearly took pride in his blocking. He was relentless. He was like a legit drive blocker. Uh, I mean, there were plays where he would line up as an H-back and he would slam the backside defender. Uh, there were plays where he lined up in the open field and he would go seek out a guy and just rock him. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, it, it, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, as a receiver, I thought he showed quick feet and pretty good agility, a very explosive mover with the ball in his hands. Uh, the In the Alabama offense, he was manufactured a lot of touches. I mean, right. 
you know, if I were to go, if I were to go back and chart every reception that he had, I would bet that at least or around half, maybe even more, more than half of his receptions were like shovel passes or pitches uh, where he was running up the middle or designed to go to the perimeter. And the two big plays he had against Clemson, I think in, in both years were kind of those slip screen downfield plays where it looks like he's going out to block on the screen and then he kind of slips behind the defense and he's wide open on those run after catch situations. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, against uh, Auburn, or I'm sorry, against Texas A&M, he wound up blocking Miles Garrett a bunch and had success. Miles Garrett, of course, supposed to be the number one overall pick. I mean, I, I loved him, and I think he's he deserves to be a top fifteen pick in the draft. Uh, I so, and I'm nitpicking for his weaknesses. I think that one area in which he wasn't that great was run after catch. Although, because he had so many like short catches, and then turned them into bigger gains, I bet if you just looked at his yards after catch. Uh, numbers they would be fantastic just because he had so many short catches but he would run to contact after the catch whereas David Njoku would run around defenders and run through defenders and power through defenders so if I can just put some numbers to that um, this year OJ Howard averaged 7.3 yards after the catch Uh, (laughs) that's incredible David Njoku led all tight ends in this draft class with over 11 yards per catch. Oh, my goodness. Or a- after the catch, I should say. Um, I-, I-, I think, Evan, that a- O.J. Howard's yards after catch is very comparable to Greg Olson in that he's, a, he's not an agile type who is nimble or will make you miss or that type of stuff. But yeah, yeah. if you hit him in stride, he can still pick up yards by turning up field, by running along the sideline whatever, right? Kind of um, sustaining that separation he created or was allotted or whatever. And, I mean, I think we forget that Greg Olson ran a 4-5-5 out of Miami. Um, I'm not saying that O.J. Howard will. I think he'll – I know his goal is a 4-5-8. But – and it's not like Greg Olson still runs that. But you get what I'm saying. I think that they are actually very, very comparable players. Um, But I think O.J. Howard – is obviously a better blocker will be a better blocker coming out and early in his career than, than Greg Olson was. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I think that he's a very explosive straight line athlete. I thought yep. that Njoku was a little bit better all around athlete. Um, but you I can think shift over o- to Njoku if you want to as well. Not yet. Cause I wanted to mention one more thing about OJ okay. Howard. Um, so, because he had all these manufactured touches, and I've heard Matt Waldman talk about O.J. Howard uh, after he went to the Senior Bowl, and Waldman mentioned that, like, the coaching staff kind of got on O.J. Howard. He, like, had a tendency to miss some assignments. Uh, he, Waldman also mentioned how O.J. Howard had a tendency to against weaker opponents, maybe not go as hard. Um, I think that that kind of stood out against Kent state maybe a little bit. Okay. Um, but I, I wondered, you know, is that a sign of maybe not quite like 
maybe he's not all the way there mentally that he's not he's not running as many I mean he did not run as many like wide receiver or slot routes as Njoku or certainly not as many as Evan Ingram um, but do you think that that might be a sign that he's a little limited maybe mentally so I've I've heard the opposite okay um, I and again it's not like I let this stuff necessarily impact my evaluations but I know other people it does um, but I heard a story and I'm not sure if I should say this but I, okay I'll say it I heard a story that you know these co- these these scouts go around and they ask these prospects at the senior bowl like all standard questions right and one of them was to OJ Howard and they said well since you're a tight end what if you go to a team that you know has an all pro at your spot or someone that was drafted in the second round before you right and 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 they're up on the depth chart whatever like how how do you handle it and apparently the story or the answer is usually, well, I'm going to, you know, do my best. I'm going to be a good teammate, blah, blah, blah. Um, and apparently OJ Howard just like immediately said, uh, well, it's too bad. I mean, I'm just going to have to take a spot during training camp and stuff like that. <laughs> so, so, and, and he, he wasn't like saying it as a joke. He was just being super serious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if, if senior ball, I mean, I know he was on the Cleveland Browns and by the way, that, yeah. that Brown staff used 12 personnel, two tight end sets more than any other team I've seen coach at the senior bowl before. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if OJ Howard's the pick at 12 using two tight end sets with Gary Barnage. Heck, I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, OJ Howard's the pick at number eight to the Carolina Panthers. But um, I wonder if it's just the case of, hey, we all know that OJ Howard is the top ranked player heading into this week. We have to get on him more than any other, any other prospect. So my other theory as to why maybe he did not run as many wide receiver routes and wasn't really used like that was because he was just so valuable to them as a blocker and they wanted to keep him close in to the line of scrimmage and very often in the backfield because he could just level guys and create space for other offensive skill position players and they could use him on all those shovels and pitches. Yeah. I just thought his, his, his usage was kind limited. of interesting. Yeah. It, it was, it was a little bit limited. It was a little bit limited. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a few reasons for that. Um, one, and I mean, Alabama's going to hate me for saying this. I think Jalen hurts is not good as a quarterback, yeah. at least wasn't during his freshman season in terms of throwing down the field. And then you saw that what defenses started doing to them, uh, closer, but they also have other good receivers, right? Calvin Ridley's yeah. a good player. Our Darius Stewart, I think, is a really good player and not getting enough attention. Um, and then I think that their right tackle really struggled this year. And so obviously keeping O.J. Howard in in those situations does help. Um, but I, no, I think, I think that's a great point. I really think it's a great point. But again, I think it helps, you know, his evaluation that NFL has seen him do it more and more often. Um, you cool to move over to Njoku now? Um, someone yes. who is... 6'4", 240. Um, not to jump the gun here, Evan, but I've heard some crazy, crazy predictions for his athletic testing. Like right now he's running in like the 4.55 range, wants to get down to the 4.47 range. <laughs> uh, um, wants to jump like 37 to 40 inches uh, in the vertical. Um, he's a pretty good athlete, and he doesn't turn 21 years old until July. So, Evan, what do you think about David Njoku from Miami? Loved him. I mean, he he lined up in line as well. 
fought hard as a blocker. I mean, I would say he's a good blocker. I, you know, if I, if I, I had not just watched him after I had watched OJ Howard, you know, I, I think that I would have been a lot more impressed, like impressed. Like if OJ Howard was not in this draft, I think people would be like, Oh, Njoku, he's a, he's a heck of a blocker. Um, he didn't quite dominate in that area like OJ Howard, but I think he's good. He made more good enough to stay in plays. line in your opinion. Yes. He made more downfield plays than, than OJ Howard. He went, lined up in the slot and ran more wide receiver routes than OJ Howard. Um, he w- was better after the catch than OJ Howard. And you, you just showed us, or you, you gave those statistics, and he could, you know, like run through tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, did not see OJ Howard doing a lot of that. Um, but he would hurdle guys, run through and around them, uh, could make guys miss, and did not just run at contact. contact. Uh, there was an awesome touchdown like this against West Virginia where, I mean, he's just, you know, he, he's just better than the guy who's trying to tackle him yeah. and, you know, in the open field, and he just runs through him and, and it's a touchdown. I, Evan, he, he's, 60, he's 69% awesome. of his yards this season were after the catch. Um, 483 of 698 receiving yards. So again, 11 yards per average plus after the catch. And then he averaged 16 yards per reception this year. I mean, there were some examples against Duke um, that he did that really well. Uh, And again, I mean, people might say, well, he didn't have a ton of production at tight end like we've seen in some in the past, right? But Miami's going to have another really good tight end prospect next year. Like he's leaving one at Miami and leaving to go to the NFL like that. They, they had two tight end sets and, and, and use them quite a bit. Um, I'm with you that Njoku is obviously smaller, not that much smaller, but we'll see what he measures in at, but listed at six, four, two forty. but he, he can absolutely stand up in line. And I, I always say it with, with these tight end prospects that really all you have to be is like willing and adequate as a blocker in some situations, um, like competitive, right. As a blocker and want to do it because there are only a handful of, you know, complete tight ends in the NFL. And I think he's at least that and, and better than that. And, and, and not an asset as a blocker, but, but absolutely good enough. Yep. I, I did want to mention this, Evan, because whenever I bring up David Njoku and I talk about how he's super athletic, blah, 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 I, the easy comparison for people to make with this type of situation is, is Eric Ebron. There's an argument to be made that Eric Ebron was – you know, injured during his his NFL combine testing. And then he didn't redo it at his pro day and actually put up like horrendous 20-yard short shuttle and three-cone drills. Now, Eric Abron is still, I believe, 23 or 24 years old, so there's absolutely still time. But like David Njoku, to me, is, is on a totally different platform athletically than a guy like Eric Ebron is. And a much better prospect, I think. Yeah, I think that uh, Eric, the, the arrow is still pointing up on Eric Ebron. Um, and he still has a lot of room for growth, and I think he's gotten better every year that he's been in the pros. Uh, but I would be, I, I would definitely consider Njoku a better prospect. And Eric Ebron was what? Was he a top ten pick? Yeah, dude, he was number nine overall. Yeah, I yeah he was number nine overall, taken above so. Odell. And I don't know if you know you feel comfortable enough giving your opinion on this, but would you feel comfortable with both of these guys going in the first round? Oh yeah, I mean okay. they're 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 top half of the first round. Got it. 
Got it. Yeah. Um, and one more thing, and this will move us on to our next prospect. I think body control can be super important for these tight ends, and I think Njoku shows that, like how he Njoku just passes has that in spades. Yeah, in the air, yeah. a little off target, elevating. I mean, the back corner of the end zone. I, I posted some clips on 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 Twitter recently. I mean, how he like went up for the ball and kept both feet in with while get, being interfered on the pass. It's it's, it's incredible stuff. And I think yeah. Evan Ingram has that as well, Evan. Um, out of Ole Miss, um, you see it with him, and I mean he's much more of a slot slash joker slash move type than in either of these other two. Um, he was he's not a tight end. Well, I don't he, think. so he measured in bigger than I was expecting. Let's put it that way: six three, two thirty six, like six oh three one two thirty six, thirty two and a half inch arms, ten inch hands, seventy nine inch wingspan. Um, but I mean, like you just said, he played in the slot almost exclusively, it seemed like. Uh, and he was really good from there. I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Jordan Reed. Yeah. I'm not going to compare him necessarily to Aaron Hernandez. But the body control that he has, that once he immediately catches the football, a lot of these tight ends start, like, freaking out in that area, right? Stumbling over themselves, slowing down, coming to a stop, whatever. I mean, he immediately just puts his foot in the dirt gets upfield or tries to avoid a tackler and does a very, very good job with that type of, of, of route. Yeah. And I like the way that in traffic he would, he'd pluck the ball. Uh, he, he, he's a guy who trusted, trusts his hands. I mean, he has a lot of confidence in his hands and he actually had a couple of kind of, kind of big drops, but I mean, that's going to happen. Um, but he, I mean, he caught everything with his hands. He was a big play threat in the seam uh he was a horrible blocker uh i mean he he would whiff against guys i thought um i I just thought he was a big possession receiver with some seam stretching ability um not as good an athlete not as explosive or nearly as dominant as oj howard or njoku and i thought it was interesting that dane brugler um you're not not your acquaintance. boy, your your acquaintance. acquaintance. Um, you made sure to clarify that on the Matt Harmon show. Yeah. Uh, the, the Matt Dane Harmon Brugler, show. <laughs> Dane Brugler actually uh, listed Evan Ingram as as his number five receiver yeah. in the draft. Not yeah. t- not tight end, number five receiver. So is there someone in the NFL that we can look at and? think okay evan ingram can be sort of you know can can fill this sort of role would it be like a jordan matthews or a marcus colston huh yeah i mean i'm, I'm guessing that's where he's um projecting him in kind of that area uh, there's another one who we did not watch for this podcast that kind of fits in that same area and it's bucky hodges out of virginia tech but he played more on the outside and i've seen people suggest that he is a wide receiver because of that kind of in a devin funches type role. Um, but Devin Funches, I mean, I know he started his career as a tight end, but he is purely a receiver now. And both of those guys, they were are working out with tight ends at the combine, which I think is, is meaningful in that designation. Um, Funches actually might be the best, one of the better comps for him. Um, yeah. With Ingram, I mean, look, I think teams will call him a tight end because it will save on their future contracts with their money. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. either franchise deal or whatever. I mean, that was the Jimmy Graham situation that worked into. Um, But I I don't think you're going to ask him to play outside the hashes or outside the numbers or anything like that, right? 
I mean, I, I think you move him around in terms of motion. You detach him from the line of scrimmage. Evan, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he is used in line a bit more often than you think. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of used um, – God, why did his name just escape me? Um, the Colts tight end um, that they just gave a contract to. Um, Not Dwayne Allen. Yeah, Dwayne Allen a little bit. You don't think so? Really? I mean, I know Dwayne Allen at Clemson was used as a lead blocker a bit too often for my liking, but – didn't, don't they motion him around? Don't they move him around a little bit? And I, I, I could see the same thing with Evan Ingram at the NFL. I, I don't like when I watched Evan Ingram play. And again, it was he was third after OJ Howard and David and Joku. Yeah. But I just did not see him with really. I mean, he was like a not almost like not even a functional blocker to, to okay. me. I mean, he was he was like a, a non-factor in the running game. Uh, you mentioned drop rates, so I wanted to just list those off real quick. Uh, David Njoku had over a 10% drop rate, 10.42. Um, Evan Ingram had a 8.45. And O.J. Howard was at 4.26, and that was for this season. Um, and again, those, those kind of go into who's watching them and who's writing them down, who's, you know, picking them, think- but but... And um, yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah, that for sure. And also, it, they can, drop rates can be affected by how far down the field are you getting your targets. Yep. I mean, if you're just getting pitches and dump offs like OJ Howard was, you know, at least half the time, if not most of the time, uh, I mean, those you know those, those are a lot, a lot tougher to drop. You know, easier easier to catch passes. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Evan Ingram told me that he was for sure going to leave after his junior year, but then he got some like sixth round or late round uh, grades from the draft advisory board, which stunned me. Um, I, I think he's a day two prospect, Evan, and but I, I do think that his his uh, team pool is going to be a bit limited just because of his role, and obviously not every team is. I guess creative is one word to use it, but it's just not in their playbook to use a player like that or, or feature one that, that they'll want to take in rounds two and three. Do you think that he can become, because move tight ends, you know, that, that term, those sorts of guys are, or like flex tight ends. Those guys don't are, are, are usually not every down players in the NFL. So, do you think that Evan Ingram can become an every every down player in the NFL? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Because um, I, I think he's competitive enough in terms of his blocking, um, and it seems like he wants to do it now. He he might miss. That's perfectly fine. Um, but at least he's competitive in that area where I think he can improve with some coaching. Um, okay. But I, I'll be I'll be very interested to see what alignment he comes from if he does stay on the field. So, but again, I mean, and, and I'll list off some other names right now, like Gerald Everett. Some mentioned him in the first round. I know Daniel Jeremiah did a few weeks ago. He was at the senior bowl just for a few days. Evan Ingram is, is bigger than Gerald Everett. Um, Gerald Everett is six, two and a half. Oh, was he ahead or behind of Alvin Kamara? Now the consensus first round pick, <laughs> dude, I was going to mention this when we talk about, and sorry, all these trains are going by. I, I was going to mention this when we talk about Christian McCaffrey in a bit. Um, Evan, I really believe that Alvin Kamara is going first round. I, I, I mean, that's just the buzz right now. And Evan, you're going to think I'm crazy. I wouldn't 
it wouldn't stun me, and I'd be absolutely here for the chaos if Alvin Kamara is the first running back off the board. Just saying. Uh, oh my god! But but Gerald Everett six two and a half two twenty seven. Um, so I mean, Evan Ingram's a half inch taller. What? 10 pounds heavier, whatever, whatever. And I should mention that Adam Shaheen from Ashland is now getting first-round buzz, apparently. Um, Daniel Jeremiah just pulled five executives, and one said that after the combine, Shaheen, who was like 6'5", 277, uh, just running by dudes, will get some first-round buds or buzz. And, and he'll work out right after my guy, Eric Saubert, out of Drake, who I really, really, really like. Um, non-scholarship uh, team at Drake, uh, but he'll run in like maybe the four fives, four sixes, um, and a really, really comfortable tight end. Um, and that's tough to find. But I mean, this year's class is, is unbelievable. We could keep going on and on with names. Evan, let's shift over to maybe the final running back that we'll talk about for now. Uh, that's Christian McCaffrey. Again, for anyone who wants, you know, some stats and some more in-depth stuff, I just had a podcast with Graham Barfield, and we talked about Christian McCaffrey. Um, but I am super intrigued and was kind of thinking about it during that conversation of what Evan thought of Christian McCaffrey. Um, he was a guy that I went back and forth on a lot. Um, I think that at the end, I concluded that I thought that he was probably a part-time back and that he would be kind of stretched as an NFL starter. I mean, first of all, when I look at running backs, what I really want to try to find out, the first thing is, can they be like a lead back in an NFL offense? offense? Or, you know, a guy who can get 20 touches a game, that a a coaching staff will be uh, willing to give the ball to that much. Um I thought that he was scrappy and slippery between the tackles. I think that he's the best pass protection back in the, that I've watched so far. Uh, he is a very determined player and a good athlete, but I did not think he was an explosive, quick twitch, or powerful athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's a good football player, but probably not a big-time NFL back. And at the end, uh, I, I can, my comparison for him was no Sean Moreno. Uh, who does a, who did a lot of things well, had a solid NFL career, um, was not quite explosive or powerful enough to become like a high-end NFL feature back, mm-hmm. uh, but did run hard and did the little things well and therefore kept getting opportunities. And, you know, on every team that he had, he would always have a role. Uh, you should tweet that out because I think that's very interesting. I, I haven't seen that um, suggestion yet. Look, I mean, I've seen comparisons to like Brian Westbrook and Deion Lewis and a bunch of these. And I, I think those are interesting. Um, what, what I also find interesting, Evan, is that the entire conversation right now is can Christian McCaffrey be a primary piece of a rushing offense? Can he be a foundation back? Can he hold up between the tackles? That last one is interesting to me because he almost like exclusively ran between the tackles or just in terms of Stanford set and their offense. I mean, he has a ton of exposures more than, I mean, 
I don't have the numbers in front of me, but more than almost any other player in terms of just traditional running style, right? I mean, following blockers, and he loves to follow blockers, Evan. His patience is unbelievable. Yes. I think, I think his vision is outstanding. I think the way he sets up defenders to make them miss in the open field is really, really awesome. But I think that those types of skills can be confused with athleticism a bit too often. Uh, just in terms of explosion and stuff. So I'll be very interested to see in his testing because I think that those skills, like I just mentioned again, the vision, the anticipation, all that. And he was doing that. I mean, his ridiculous season, Evan, was at 19 years old. That's amazing. Um, yeah. But I, yeah. I, I'll be very interested to see if, if I mean, because we know he has those things, if also he, he can. He's a very, very good football player. He, yeah. I, I'm worried about how small he's going to be. Yeah. And, and he's listed in some areas as like 5'11", 197. And that, that seems a bit rich that's small yeah that's- yeah that, that's what I meant and and I did want to ask you because of how we discussed Alvin Kamara right and how we don't think he's a primary piece even if the NFL does that he's more of a secondary piece I'm going to put you on the spot here of these two because I'm getting the sense that you think he's Christian McCaffrey is also a secondary piece which one would you prefer to have on your offense uh Christian McCaffrey yep I agree I agree but I don't think that Christian McCaffrey is going to get first-round buzz. You, you know who I'd rather have than both of these guys? Dalvin Cook. Rex Burkhead. Yeah, you know what? I was actually thinking about <laughs> Rex Burkhead when, when, when watching Christian McCaffrey, and I was like, why didn't someone just give – well, I, I know it's a running back contract, but just sign Rex Burkhead and, instead of spending you know a second-round pick on either of these running backs. Because um, Rex Burkhead's really good. He's really good. Um, he is. Uh, I think that's everything I had, Evan. Anything else you want to say? I mean, I think McCaffrey's interesting as a kick returner as well. I think he's an interesting piece as a receiver as well. And obviously, those are skills that kind of add to his evaluation. Yeah, he's yeah, he's he's gonna have he should have a very successful NFL career. I agree. Um, Evan, your next homework is to watch Dante Foreman out of Texas because uh, I have the whole state of Texas mad at me because of my opinion of him. So it'll be I'll, I'll be interested to see what you think of him. Um, Sounds good. Evan, thanks so much, man. I appreciate this. Yeah, this is a good one. And for everyone out there, again, check out my podcast with Matt Harmon on wide receivers, my podcast with Graham Barfield on running backs. And be sure, if you like them, you know, to let us know in the review section. It always helps us out. Um, And until next time, talk to you all soon. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 